You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylus, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylus. I'm your host, Christian Ward, Head of Multimedia Strategy at Stylus. Today we're going to be discussing turning passions into businesses and the skills and strategies that brand founders need to know. To discuss this, I'm joined by Jamie Schmidt, founder of deodorant and personal care brand Schmidt's Naturals, which Jamie started in her kitchen in 2010 and grew to the point that the company was acquired by Unilever seven years later. Since acquisition, Jamie has co-founded startup investment fund Colour with her husband and business partner Chris Cantina and written a book, Supermakers, that offers inspiration and instruction to all budding founders. First of all, it would be great to discuss the book and how you've turned your journey from DIY maker to business owner to investor into a, a guide for new founders. Yes, I wrote my book, Supermaker, fresh off the acquisition by Unilever. I really you know, it took some time to, to reflect on my journey and realized there was a lot I had learned and a lot that could be helpful for other founders. You know, I started with basically nothing. My business more or less started as a hobby and just, you know, something um, fun. And with those types of humble beginnings, I think a lot of people can relate. And, you know, my goal was to help people sort of, you know, turn, turn that moment into understanding that there could be business potential in what they were doing. So I, laid out my whole journey in a book, you know, talked about the, the journey from founding in my kitchen to, to acquisition by Unilever seven years later. And a lot that happened during that time. And, you know, my goal in sharing the story, again, was not just to, to put out something that could be relatable, but also for people to walk away with tangible business advice that they could use in building their own businesses. Well, it's great. I mean, yeah, it, it is very reassuring to read because, you know, you really did learn everything as you were going along, even, even when it's like, you're saying, I've decided to start taking people's emails because I might do something with them in the future. And I'm reading going, what, you didn't even think to take someone's email to begin with? <laughs> I'm telling you, like, yeah, I came in with just like zero experience in business, right? I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family. So I just wasn't thinking like that. Yeah. But yeah, little things like that now are just so so simple and so obvious. You know, you start an email list so that you can contact people. Yeah. And now, you know, a lot of, I, a lot of us take it take for granted this this knowledge but you know and then I remember like oh gosh this person's starting out they don't they don't know these things and so yeah. I started this new TikTok series too where I'm giving some of that more early stage practical advice and that's been kind of fun. Speaking of the of the advice there, there's such a lot of great stuff in the book but one thing that stuck out to me was you say get committed to fulfilling your creative needs which I think it's one of the hardest things for anyone, whether you're a new entrepreneur, you know, working in your kitchen or whether you're a well-established brand with, with hundreds and thousands of employees, you know, maintaining that creativity is, is hard. I mean, what strategies do you recommend for that? Yeah, you know, what really helped me was always reminding myself why I started. Um, you know, the business started as a creative outlet, right? I was living in Portland, Oregon, it's the most creative city. You know, so I was surrounded by makers and artists, and it was just my opportunity to sort of explore my own creative talents, and, you know, I was in the perfect place to do it, and I loved it, and it was just, you know, for the first time ever, I felt like I had uh, sort of fulfilled this this itch, right? I had been working these corporate jobs for so long, and building my way up the ladder, making decent money, but just feeling unfulfilled. So in starting to make products, um, well, I was using them not just for myself, but starting to share them with the community, and I realized it was fun, you know, it was it was fulfilling to be using my hands and then to, to be selling something that, that people actually wanted. And that's the most fulfilling thing is when someone's willing to pay money for something they created. But of course, you know, as the business scales, 
your priorities shift, other things take up your time. So it, was, it is important to, you know, to get back to that, that creative energy that, that started the business in the first place. And so I had little tricks for doing that. One thing was anytime we created a new product or a new fragrance, I made a point to do that in my home kitchen, right? So even though I built out this big factory um, and had a big you know, team of employees helping me make the product, I still would go back to my kitchen you know, focus that energy alone and just in make. And so I think that has been really special in building the brand because it's just sort of maintain, you know, that the, the maker roots and has carried forward. So. It's funny when when you see big sort of corporations acquire independent companies and you mm-hmm. and you imagine that they that they want some of that spark to come into the corporation too. Did you, I mean ha, has that happened, do you think? Yeah, I think Unilever's been really good at maintaining that the energy of, of what makes Schmidt so special and unique, you know, and it's, it's more challenging. It looks a little different as you get bigger, but you know, they, there's a lot of storytelling that happens with the brand. There's also, you know, this continued com- to commitment to having the cleanest, most natural ingredients. And, you know, they, the brand since acquisition has actually gone on to get uh, certified natural, which is um, really amazing because we are the first natural deodorant in the U S to, to have that certification. So, they understood, you know, the, the roots of the brand were natural and that was something they wanted to carry forward. And so, and yeah, just, you know, being careful not to have too much of a sort of a corporate uh, feel, you know, around the messaging and the photos that we use and just our overall branding. And so we've maintained, you know, those core teams at Schmitz that, that made the brand you know, who it is today. And that, that was really important to me with the acquisition too, was making sure that Know, those teams weren't touched. I want to keep them intact. And so I'm you know, happy to say that uh, a lot of the original employees who started at Schmitz are still there. I'm interested in how you built your community from scratch, you know, in a real face-to-face, person-to-person kind of way. And I, I feel like community is such a vital component of brand building now. And there's we're seeing more and more brands bringing their community into, you know, even R&D and marketing and so on, right from the, the word go. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the building of your community and, and your advice for, for brands that want to do the same. Back to the, the earliest days, I, you know, I did start at the farmer's markets. So that was the, the perfect opportunity to meet face-to-face with customers and really build the brand together. You know, as I mentioned, this started more as just a passion product, project and something that was fun. But in those conversations with customers in the earliest days, I realized there was a real business potential in what I was building. There was a shared frustration around natural deodorants, but the ones that were on the market at the time, you know, frankly, had a reputation for being ineffective. There was opportunity to do things differently with fragrances and, and some of the branding elements. And so that, that was fun for me and something that I was uh, excited to bring my customers on, along for the journey. And customers love to, to talk and be heard, right? And to, see their suggestions, you know, being implemented. And so those earliest customers truly became, you know, really kind of a cult following for Schmitz. And then they, you know, they stuck around as we grew. We're always just really excited to, to see us making progress and to see, you know, new uh, retailers, for example, taking on Schmitz and more opportunities to buy. But, you know, as you grow, maintaining those connections becomes harder, of course. You know, I wasn't out at the farmer's markets every weekend. So there's different ways we, we could do that. You know, we... We're constantly polling our customers, giving their opinions on things and really taking it seriously. We had, you know, fun things like like swag that we would be you know, giving away to our, our top customers and just really doing all we could to just always encourage their feedback and to let them know that their voices are heard. I think that's also a concern with omni-channel distribution as you start getting away from D2C and, and move more into wholesale. That becomes a challenge or a concern for brands. It's like, how do I keep my customer at the forefront of that? Well, one of the interesting things about D2C to begin with was this idea that they are much closer to their audience or can be much closer to the audience because there's a dialogue going on. 
do you feel like you that dialogue is is harder now for for, for you or is there are there other mechanisms now which make connection a different I think there's more opportunity now than when I started you know, my business 10 years ago. We have opportunities like marketplaces, right? Live streaming where we can get in front of our customers and engage face-to-face in real time. I, you know, there's a lot of opportunity around blogging and just really showing expertise and leadership in the industry. And I always encourage founders to, to really think about those channels and even, you know, it can be distracting to sit around writing and, you know, and you're trying to run a business, but I think it's, it's so critical just to show this engagement um, outside of just, you know, pushing product on your customers all the time. So it, it's, it's hard, but you can make it work, you know, with, with any omni-channel strategy too, there's, you know, you consider like this holistic approach to, to marketing and how selling one retailer or one channel will impact the others. And, you know, how do we make all of them healthy and thriving? But in the end, I think, I think all that extra work is worth it. At the moment, like we seem to be in a bit of a kind of renaissance for creatives and creators. I feel I feel like we had this maker moment, you know, back when you you were, you were talking about when you started, and and now we have this kind of passion economy moment where the same sort of same sort of ideas are bubbling up again, but it's much more focused around niche sort of specific bespoke passions that people are turning into bigger businesses. But I wonder why you think this is sort of happening again now, whether it's something to do with the sophistication of the technology, or whether it's something to do with the kind of post-pandemic moment, or what what are your thoughts on that? For one, I just think there's a democratization of entrepreneurship that's happening, like more people are equipped to start businesses. And when I say equipped, it's not, not necessarily, you know, financially or, you know, with, with having the tools at your disposal, but it's just people are more inspired to do it because they're seeing other people do it. And we're just, you know, more impassioned to take charge of our careers. You know, we, I think over time, people are just becoming a little more like, I'm, I'm in charge of my life. Like I'm not following, you know, the footsteps of my parents or, you know, whatever it might be. And so I just think more people are, are bound to, to pursue the entrepreneurial path. When I think about passion or creator economy in this niche, you know, that, that you mentioned, I think what's really key there is, you know, any business that starts should really focus on that niche. Like that's, that's number one coming out of the gate, but then what's key in a, you know, sustainable business is expanding that niche, uh, you know, so still staying true to who your customer is, but then really expanding um, on that definition. And I say often to, um, you know, not make assumption about who your customers are or who they aren't. Because for me, it's a great example of my business, you know, natural deodorant user, we have this idea of who that might look like, right? But as we started marketing and getting out to more retailers, we were surprised to see that that was actually a big audience that, you know, didn't necessarily look like your average naturals user. So I think what's key is really having the niche early and, and, and then growing it along the way and staying true to those roots, but then, you know, keeping an open mind at the same time. The book, did you finish that before the pandemic hit or was that still, so you, yeah. you, you'd finished writing it and then the world sort of changed. First of all, it'd be interesting to hear about how the way you work has changed since, mm-hmm. since the pandemic hit, but also whether the things that you wrote about, perhaps you would go back and, and change those too, or whether you still think the, the strategies are relevant regardless of what's happened. Right. Yeah, I, I put a lot of thought and said, actually, like, how does, you know, I wanted my book to be timeless when I was writing and I had that in mind, like, what's this going to look like five years from now? And, you know, the story still is still very relevant and, and still the advice in there is, is very applicable. There's a lot, there's a part of the book that really goes deep into like trade shows and farmers markets that, you know, during pandemic, like, okay, maybe we'll skim through that part and come back later. But I'm excited now that people can, you know, dig deeper into that and really um, learn from that and be inspired. I was scheduled to release the book in 
March, right, you know, right at the peak, actually, excuse me, early April, right at the peak of the pandemic. And I did, you know, I made a hard decision there and whether I wanted to delay or go forward with it. And it just didn't feel right to, you know, be pushing a book down people's throats. And we were all confused and afraid and sort of just stuck at that time. So I put my energy into to other things and built out this entrepreneurial dream project with my husband and business partner, Chris Cantino. We created this grant program that awarded two founders $50,000 each to help uh, move their businesses forward during COVID. And then we have also built up a a network of mentors where we had 20 different, excuse me, 50 different mentors with really great business expertise that we partnered with some of the other mentors. So it was fun to shift energy and then be able to come back to the book when, you know, I thought, you know, well, let's launch this later, maybe in, you know, September, who knows what the world will look like then. And, you know, it was still not, not healthy, you know, but we yeah. all sort of settled into this new way of living. And so the book, I think, came at a time when people were ready to be inspired and sort of take charge of their careers again. I'd be interested to hear about what you and Chris have invested in and, and what motivated those investments and what you look for in, in startup businesses. Yeah, we, you know, we were excited to create a fund after the business um, was acquired, realizing, you know, we not only had the capital to invest, but also, you know, operator experience to bring to the table. And that's not always true of, of investors. And so that was, you know, exciting for us. But we look mostly for consumer products, you know, uh, that's where, all our experiences, you know, building the Schmitz brand, you know, Chris was there alongside me running our marketing. And so together we just had this really great collection of, of knowledge and experience. And so consumers is really what we hang our hat on, but we've expanded a bit since then. And our philosophy has been thing, you know, we say we invest in things people buy in the way they buy them. So that's, you know, not just products, but, but the tech that supports these things as well. And, and we, we've sort of moved into the, the creator space a bit and supporting marketplaces and like Pop Shop Live was a recent investment that we're really excited about. So we're staying true to consumer, but kind of the surrounding you know, parts of that as well. Fantastic. So I, I ask my guests three uh, quick fire questions at the end of each episode. The first one is what's the best business advice you've ever been given? You know, I think it's more life slash business advice and you know, it's to, to, to be patient don't make assumptions and always just be grateful for, for everything and everyone along the way. And that's, you know, that's come up a bit in um, conversations with other entrepreneurs and founders. And I, you know, I've always been asked in the earliest days of the business, like, who's your greatest inspiration? And it was always hard for me to, to pinpoint like, you know, one person, but it's really just the community of entrepreneurs that I'm surrounded by. And so, you know, together we support one another. And I think that's been the, the greatest ally in building the business for sure. Great. The second question is, what's a consumer problem or challenge you don't think has been successfully solved yet? You know what? I think an electric toothbrush that's quiet. <laughs> I might be missing something, but I've tried several brands. My husband's tried them, you know, and like they, they're loud. And the, the ones that, that aren't, are, you know, I don't think are as effective. And so if someone can create an amazing, incredible, or amazing electric toothbrush that, that doesn't keep me up when my husband brushes his teeth late at night, <laughs> I'll be happy. Obviously, nobody on TV cleans their teeth with an electric toothbrush. You always see someone with a menu. And it's like, I guess because it's too noisy, right? So finally, if, yeah. if we invent this quiet electric toothbrush, TV will catch up with reality yes. at last. You're right. Anyway. I'm tips on it. It said wrap it in a washcloth. I'm like, no one's going to do that. And the final question, I mean, I, I guess you kind of sort of touched on it already, but the, the final question is, which individuals or brands do you look to for inspiration in your work? Yeah, you know, today as an investor, it's just my inbox. And there are so many amazing founders we hear from every day. And it's just, it's so cool to be able to learn about 
all the different industries and to, you know, to stay relevant through other founders. And so, you know, even, you know, the brands that we don't invest in, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to just even be exposed to them. So that, that's really fun. It's the best part of being an investor, I think. Thanks so much for joining me, Jamie. It was a, a really inspiring conversation. And to everyone listening, I heartily recommend grabbing a copy of Jamie's book, Supermakers. So I'd like to thank my guest, Jamie Schmidt, and thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear your feedback. On Twitter, we're at stylus underscore live, and I'm at Christian Ward. And on Instagram, you can find us at wearestylus. Join us next time for more Future Thinking from Stylus. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.